Hey, this is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and this is Rangers Nation Podcast. Welcome to Rangers Nation Podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation Podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I am your host, the Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is 500. 500, that's about the best you can expect from this team is 500. Don't look for this team to do anything more than 500. We're also going to go down in the bus leagues. We've got a special guest today, Greg Scallion from uh, Chriswell's Clubhouse Chatter and the Prospect Times is going to be with us, and we'll be back to get this thing started right after this. Okay, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Rangers Nation's podcast. This episode is called 500. And the reason it's called that is because if you have been following the Rangers at all, you know that they are, at best, a 500 team. I'm not going to talk about the Major League Club for too long. We are going to go down in the bus leagues, and we got a fun fun episode coming up with uh, Greg Scallon. But I, I needed to talk about it. Look, this team is what it is. I think there are too many people, and fortunately for the Rangers, there are too many people that got into this uh, – this year and when the Rangers took off and had a, a good April that went into World Series mode and that was just not this team. It was not going to be this team. This team is not a World Series team and that's where it is. It's why the that everyone is calling for anyone who goes in a slump. Now, Rugnet Odor, Rugi, I have defended Rugi. I've defended him a while. He's gone beyond – he's getting to a point where I can't defend him much longer, but still he's the best second baseman on the team History says he will come out of a slump because he can. But, you know, I heard an interview today that, 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 that was alarming, and, and that was uh, something I heard today from Emily who talked to him and said that one of the most frustrating things that Rugi's talked about is the simple fact that he has not been able to figure out what this one is. He said normally he can feel something's off. He can look at tape, look at everything, and see his leg kicks off or something, maybe his timing, but he said he feels great. He feels good right now, and he can't figure out why it is. Now, everybody that is, you know, all the Twitter heads that are just destroying him, they basically are saying, you know, he's cocky, he's overpaid, we should have never signed him. You know, that that's where they are on it. And they may be right. That's absolutely where they may be. But they are not going to send Ruggie Odor. He is not going anywhere. Let me tell you why he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere because that would signal that they are giving up on Rugnet Odor, and they're not going to, not with $7 million on the table and a contract he signed through. Yes, he, need, he needs to figure this out. Sitting him is a part of it. I said that what they ought to do, he's at a point now where he needs to sit a few days, come back if he hasn't, he's set today. If he doesn't get going after that, then he needs to start splitting time while he's trying to figure it out and not be in the lineup every day. And then when you start getting towards August and September, I mean, that's that's nut time right there. He needs to be figuring it out, or he will definitely look at being sent down, and that will be a signal there that, they, that they're done with him and they're not going to go any further with him, or they'll be looking to trade him or unload him to somebody and eat some of the contract. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think everybody that is doing that needs to chill out and realize that they are not going to do that. Now, this year is about figuring out who is going to be a core, and somebody you ought to be concerned about is Mazzara. Mazzara has not hit the ball well. He can't hit the fastball good. This is a guy that's probably the most tradable asset we've got and uh, that the Rangers have. And I'm telling you right now, 
Mazzara's struggling pretty bad. He got a couple hits today, but he is struggling. And I'm telling you, that's another one to watch for. So if you're let me tell you what, if you are if you are for getting rid of Rugi Odor and not for getting rid of Jeff Mathis, and then your defense of Jeff Mathis is, well, his defense is what we need. His defense, he's handling the pitching staff. He catches for minor, and that's what's going good. Well, I tell you what, Ruggie Odor is the best second baseman. He made the first error he's made all year yesterday. Now, is that something from, from what he's dealing with? Is it in his head? It totally could be. It totally could be. I'm not saying it's not. It could totally be that it's starting to get into his head. But he's the best defensive second baseman on the team. He does not need to be hitting sixth. Ruggio Odor needs to be hitting eighth or ninth. He is a great bottom-of-the-lineup guy. <coughs> Excuse me. He's a great bottom-of-the-lineup guy to, to go from there, and there's no pressure on him. See where he can go. If he can't get it together, you know what you got. You know what you got, and you've missed on a player. Um, and, and that's basically what it is. They've got people that can that can play the position. Santana can do it. He's not as good a defender. But Santana looked good in center field this weekend. Another guy that I was – I wasn't high on him. I, I kind of got misquoted on Twitter, and everybody gave me a new one, was Dowdy. I was not defending Dowdy. I said he wasn't as bad as I thought. Today he looked as bad as every one of y'all think. And that's very alarming. And this is a guy that, that they're going to have to figure out something with Dowdy. Because let's just face the facts. He looked he looked bad. Um, you know, he looked bad when he came in and and, and what he did, uh, you know, by hanging the slide. He, he hung the slider, so he tried to throw it again and hung and, you know, and, and deposited a grand slam home run. I'm sorry, you can't throw it. Now, I don't know who's calling that pitch, but that, that is just ridiculous. So, look, this team. This team will be look a lot different after the trade deadline. Hunter Pence is somebody that might be traded off. You're not going to get a lot for him. Everybody's saying trade Miner. Miner's the head of this rotation going into next year. But I think this could look a lot different going into the spring, uh, going into the fall, going into the second half of the season. A lot of the kids are going to come up. This team should be competing next year. They still have a chance to compete at that wild card spot, but let's be honest. Everyone knew they don't have the pitching staff. LeClerc, it's got to get right. There's some kids down below that could come up and be closers and do something there. Uh, Shelby Miller is a disaster. That's the one guy that I've been off of from the beginning. He can throw a fastball that looks pretty nice, but if anyone gets on base, he can't do anything else. So, I mean, this team, we're going to be lucky if this team is a 500, 500 ball club. Uh, but what do we have to look forward to? i tell you what we got to look forward to. What's down in the bus leagues? And i tell you what, let's go down in the bus leagues. Okay, everyone, it is time to go down in the bus leagues. We're going to go down in the bus leagues. We're going to talk about every uh, every team in the Rangers organization from Hickory all the way up to Nashville. Those are the only four teams that are playing right now. We know that Spokane will be starting up here in the, the latter part of June. But uh, on the phone, we got someone special with us. We got Greg Scallon from Chris Will's Clubhouse Chatter and Prospect Times. He spent this last weekend with the Nashville Sounds in Oklahoma City. Greg, what's going on, bud? Hey, what's going on? Uh, happy to be on. Thank you for inviting me and uh, look forward to uh, joining you hopefully many times this year. Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, uh, Greg's kind of where I'm at on this. Uh, we, we're, we're new to the, the, the blogging world and we've gotten uh, been able to get credentials to visit the team and, and meet these players. Uh, I, I got a little lucky. I do actually get to go to Ranger games uh, with Dallas Sports Nation, but 
I don't care who you are, where you are, you get to, uh, it would have been so cool to be up there with you in Nashville. In fact, when we get to Nashville uh, in our down in the bus leagues, you'll have a lot of stuff you can tell us today about what all you did this last weekend. Uh, we kind of touched base all weekend. It was pretty neat what you got to do. Yeah, I, you know, I live in Oklahoma City, so uh, when Nashville comes to Oklahoma City to play the Dodgers, um, you know, they give me credentials, and I, and I get to spend the week with them batting practice, uh, you know, coaches and, and, and talk to players. Um, and I get a really good in-depth look um, at them when they're here. Same thing when Frisco goes to Tulsa. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, it, was a, it was a great week. I got a lot of information. I got a lot of pictures. And so, there, you know, it was, it was a really good informational week on the uh, Rangers uh, AAA team. Yeah, and, and I'm just going to tease it here. Greg and I have kept in touch, and he's actually sent me some of the interviews he's done. Uh, hey, stick around. Tim Dillard's part of the interviews we got. We got Eli, Eli White. I know you did a lot, but some of the ones we're going to play some clips for today. Obviously, Tim Dillard, we wanted some stuff you did with uh, Eli White. And, of course, Hojo, for those that don't know, Howard Johnson is the batting coach up there. But you did more than that. You can tease that later. But right now, let's go down to Hickory and talk about Hickory. Uh, Hickory's 23-12 and 12 right now. Uh, a lot of stuff going on at Hickory. For, for those that know, and if anybody that saw my Dallas Sports Nation Top 20 prospects, the number one prospect was Hans Kraus. Uh, who I had Hans Kraus. Hans Kraus is 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 leading the rotation down there. But there was a lot of stuff that's happened this week. Obviously, they're 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 23 and 12. They're in third place. They're five and five in their last 10 games. That's probably not going to improve. I know that Hans is actually going to skip a start. Um, uh, and and the reason that happens, I know I don't know if you read what Tepid was writing, but these guys are building up innings, and they're not gonna they they're not gonna let them go out and go seven innings from the beginning of the year. Every once in a while, they just gotta skip them. Right. I think the most important fans to understand right now in the minor league system, they're they're developing a bunch of arms at each level, and so there's absolutely no reason to overextend any pitcher right now at any level. Um, right now, it's about gaining that experience, learning that command, and, and, and really getting a good gauge on where they're going to fit into the pitching rotation once they do reach Arlington in the future. Yeah, and, and if it's not the rotation, it could be the bullpen or whatever. Kraus, I think everyone knows, is, is destined for the rotation. He had his worst outing last time out. But uh, another interesting thing came up, and this broke from uh, Evan Grant. Uh, Cole Wynn, the number one draft pick from last year, Cole Wynn, he was taken number 12. He is skipping Spokane. If, if anyone, do you know about the deload program? Do you know what that is? Yeah, I, I know a little bit about it. I did see that where they're, he's skipping Spokane and going straight to A. So I think that's and he hasn't pitched at all yet this year, from what I if I read that right. So that's actually a very positive thing. That the fact that he's going to skip Spokane that means he's a little bit farther advanced than uh, what uh, what they might have thought. That's exactly what that means. And the deal is, you know, for those that don't know, let me explain kind of in a nutshell what the what the deload program is. They started this last year with high school arms. For anybody that knows these high school kids come out of high school, they've only pitched up until about the end of May, depending on how far their team's gone. And most of these guys that are drafted, let's be honest, they're probably their staff aces. So their arms are pretty worn out. And a lot of times in the past, these kids would come in. They've already had some wear on the arm from high school. They're drafted in June and then usually sent out somewhere that first year where they might go to Spokane or something like that. Well, the Rangers put that all on delay for one year. Last year, they all went to – it was kind of it was tough on some of them. Uh, even Cole admitted that. But they went to Arizona where they hung out in Arizona for the entire summer and just worked on building up strength in their bodies, their arms, 
getting on the right diet, how to take care of their body. And that's basically what they, uh, you, you know, what they were doing there. Now, two of the arms got Tommy John surgery. That was uh, Mason Englert and uh, Owen White. And there was a lot of raised eyebrows over that. But that, you know, even John Daniels said, hey, that's something we're going to look into. We want to know why this happened since we didn't let them pitch all year. Still could have been something residual from high school. These kids threw a lot of innings in high school. We just don't know when they started stretching them out to get ready for this season. That could be it. But they're looking at it. But apparently, Cole, that kid's ready to go. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Tommy John surgery. Sadly enough, Tommy John surgery is becoming just commonplace. And 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 you got to understand too, fans out there may not understand these kids coming out of high school, especially when they're uh, top draft pick caliber pitchers. They're probably pitching every other game in high school, which is you know maybe getting only two to three days rest at times. So they're, they're definitely overloaded in high school. And I, and, and that's not necessarily a good thing. I'm not saying that happens at every high school or for every pitcher, Yeah. but Tommy John surgery is definitely something that's becoming more commonplace overall. And so um, I, I wouldn't, if they're doing it already this, this early in some of these pitchers careers, I wouldn't, you know, worry about that too much. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's better to go ahead and do it early in their career than get them up to a double or triple A and then have it. And then they get set back a year and a half. Yeah. And, and, and it's really a matter of, yeah, it's a matter of the, of that it's, it's called an ulnar collateral, collateral ligament is what it is. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's sad. I hate to hear it for anybody. Uh, they, they're, they're a lot of the, with the technology today, they do come back stronger than ever. Um, and Hickory is about to go through a little bit of a bump, I think, because, you know, the one of the top prospects in the organization was Chris Cease. Uh, he spent all the last year out with his right throwing shoulders with an injury, and he injured his left one sliding into second base. He was tearing up uh, Hickory, and uh, now he's going down with shoulder surgery for that left shoulder. So, you know, it's bad for him, but look, you know, the kid is uh, – he knows what's going on. Uh, unfortunately, uh, injuries set people back, but he needs to come back stronger than ever. That's somebody that, that could be pushing Elvis over to third someday if he was going like he was. Yeah, and you feel he feels so bad for the kid because he did miss last year. And even missing last year, he's come back and had a great start to this season. Normally, when you miss that much time, you have to get settled back in. Um, you know, at any level in Major League Baseball um, or professional baseball. Yep. So you, you just feel bad for the kid that, he, that he's going to miss the rest of the season. And, and, uh, but he, he was known to have one of the best gloves in all the minor leagues, and, and you're right. He was definitely destined for Arlington eventually. So uh, hopefully he'll get everything situated and come back stronger next year. Yeah, I really hope so. So let's go up to Down East. So, so Hickory is low, eh? Down East is high, eh? They play out in, uh, in, in Carolina. Uh, Down East is right now, uh, most of the top prospects are in Down East. They have the best record right now. They're 27 and 10. They're in first place in their division. Last 10 games, they're 8 and 2. Um, and there's been a couple of promotions, a couple of decent promotions. Uh, John King, who started today, he's a left handed pitcher that people don't know about John King. Uh, he was taken last year in the 10th round as a they, – they took him out of – I believe he came out of the University of Houston, and he was a – they took him because they knew they could sign him for below slot and use that money that they saved off of him to sign some of the higher draft picks. He agreed to the money ahead of time and then got picked in the 10th round. Um, he just got promoted from down east. He went six innings today and gave up one earned run in his first start for down east. And, of course, we've all talked about Sam Huff. 
Sam Huff led all of the minor leagues in home runs, and he has been moved up and played uh, three games, I believe, three or four games with Downey's. He's a catcher, big kid. He's hitting 357. No homers yet, but he's got three doubles. Yeah, you, you want to talk about somebody whose who's, uh, upside potential here is huge for the Rangers, and that's Sam Huff. Now, the word on Sam is, is I mean, he's playing catcher right now. He's a taller, more lanky guy. Um, the word is, is that, you know, they, and, and of course, we don't know the inside of this, but the word is, is that he'll probably move to a different position or be groomed to be kind of a DH um, as he comes up to the system. Um, normally, your catchers aren't as tall and lanky as Sam is, not saying that he can't stay there, uh, but I do believe and I, I think that over, you know, the rest of this season or, you know, if he goes to double A at some point next year, he'll probably start to move around positions a little bit and see if they can find, you know, like first base, outfield, something like that, that, that he might be able to extend his career a little bit longer uh, than, than catcher. And just as a side note, I just learned, John, that I actually have an interview with Sam next week. So um, I'll be having that out on the Prospect Times within the next few weeks. Yeah, in fact, I've met Sam. Um, so he and let me tell you, big. He's not he's not tall and lanky. He's tall and big. This is a big boy. He's got a big old butt on him. That's something Tep always loves a big old butt. This guy's big, and he caught the game I was at. He hit a double. Uh, the wife and I took a little baseball trip last year. Traveled up. We actually watched. Uh, um, Round Rock is who the AAA team was last year, and Round Rock played in Nashville. So we were driving through and stopped in Nashville to watch Round Rock, saw Willie Calhoun, Scott Heineman. We'll talk about Heineman later. He's coming back from injury. And then went up into West Virginia, and the West Virginia Power uh, was playing Hickory. And Sam was catching for Hickory that night. Bubba Thompson was on that team, Tyler Phillips. Um, I didn't see Phillips pitch. I saw Phillips. But Huff came over and talked to us after the game. We were the only Ranger fans there. And uh, so it's real easy to pick out who's rooting for you. And I would, I would strongly suggest, I've done this, I wrote an article about taking a baseball trip. Um, if you haven't do it, go check out some of these minor league stadiums. They're so much fun. But that West Virginia Power, they have this guy called the Toast Man, and you need to Google that guy and look him up. <laughs> and he sits there. He, he must do more. His entire free time from his job must be looking up the opposing team and getting everything he can on them. Because he rags the opposing team the entire game. He rags them and knows personal info about everyone. And I'm sure you could talk to Sam uh, or anybody about the Toast Man over at, at, at uh, West Virginia, and they'll, they'll tell you about him. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He was funny. And, and, and just to note, what he would do is he would, he would sit there with a loaf of bread, and he would toast toast. And every time that their pitcher would strike out a hickory crawdad, he would throw the toast around talking about you were toast, you were toast. And he was yelling that and yelling these things. Well, he didn't like it when uh, I think it was Drennan that was pitching for Hickory. When he struck out West Virginia, I was sitting right next to the dugout and I would stand up and go, Hey, throw me toast. Cause this is toast. We're toast. He did not like it when you went after the West Virginia power. Now last year they were Pittsburgh pirates organization. I believe they're blue Jays this year. They switched uh, affiliations this year, but it's a pretty neat guy. You ought to look him up. But anyway, that's hey, hey, is there anything better than minor league baseball? There, I mean, that, <laughs> there's, with that story right there is a perfect example of why minor league baseball is is just the best sport in my opinion. Well, and and you're going to see these guys before they get to the major leagues. They're so friendly when you're there. And your best thing is if you can catch like you're going to catch. Uh, 
Frisco and Nashville, you caught them over in, in an away game. When you're there at an away game, you if you're just as a fan, they'll come talk to you if you're wearing your gear because usually they're not that's not who's there. So, you know, so you'll see the, the Ranger fans there. Um, so it's really cool to do that. Um, getting the credentials is even better because you get a chance to go to batting practice, talk to them before. Now, I do know down east in Hickory, they're a little more strict on letting the players talk to us. Um, I've got it reached in some of them. Now, they're probably going to let you interview them, which is great. But I tried to talk. I thought about maybe trying to go up and catch a game. They could not guarantee me that I would have access to one of them before the game. Maybe you, you've met somebody that maybe I didn't. Uh, that would be because it's not worth the trip if I can't get in there early and talk to somebody. Right. And what I, you know, what I've done is with, with each level is I've reached out to the communications director and play-by-play guys. They're, they're, they are the best um, yep. information guys, and they are the best friends to have. And I'll go over more of that here in a little bit when we get to Nashville and my experience this last week. But those play-by-play guys, um, they, they are at the minor league level. Most of those are the communications directors also right. um, and media guys. Ryan. And so, yes, and so, the, yes, Ryan with Frisco. Uh, Matt Pleasant actually is with Down East. I email him probably once a week. Um, I have an article of where I interviewed Matt um, earlier uh, this year on the Prospect Times. You can go read that if you want. But those are your best uh, your best ends. Um, of course, living in Oklahoma City, I don't get to go to Hickory or Down East, obviously being way over on the East Coast. Me but, neither. Um, but, but the emails, though, they email you back and, and, and whatnot. So it's a really valuable tool to get in good with those guys and let them trust you in order to be able to get to those players like you talked about. Well, yeah, and you've got to be affiliated with somebody, too. The average person can't just contact mm-hmm. you. You need to have some proof that you're a blogger or podcaster or what you're doing. But it, if, if you can't do that and you're not a blogger or podcaster and you can get to a game, go to a game. It's, I guarantee it's fun. These guys will come talk to you. There's not near as many fans and cheap. You can get a seat. I got a seat in West Virginia down. I was staring into the dugout, and I think we paid six bucks a piece for them or nine bucks. It was super cheap. They have cold beer if you like that, so it was good. I tell you, somebody to watch, though, on Down East. Now, for those that don't know, Tyler Phillips was leading that team, obviously, and for those that don't know, he is coming to Frisco. And uh, he makes a start Tuesday night down in Corpus Christi, but he is he jumped up early. The way he was going, people were wondering. He tore up. He was the minor league pitcher of the year last year um, at, at Hickory. And, man, they, they wondered how he would do it down east. He was fantastic at down east, going deep into games. He's not a big strikeout guy, but this guy throws strikes. He doesn't walk anybody. And uh, he, Yeah, I'm excited to see what he's going to do at the AA level because if, if you probably know this. A, a lot of the players, everybody will tell you that the biggest jump in minor league baseball is from A to AA. Not so much double A to triple A. So when you see a player, fans, when y'all see someone's got promoted from a single A to a double A, watching that initial first month or so, whether it be a pitcher or a position player, that's really going to be a telltale sign of where they're at with their development within the within the system. And you and you can't freak out if they get bumped around a little bit. Last year is a prime example when Jonathan Hernandez got promoted to. Uh, he was tearing up down east. He came up to uh, to Frisco and really got rocked around the first couple of little bit. By the end of the year, he really had settled in. And then this year, he's going pretty good. He's had one bad game, but basically, it, it just takes a bit. You've got to these these players are more patient in Double A, a little bit more patient, and uh, and they're gonna they're looking for their pitch and they're going from there. Now, so Tyler is going to be need Reed Anderson's the other pitcher that was leading there. 
obviously we know what Huff was doing, but I'm, I'm going to put this on everyone's radar. I have touted this guy, Simon Hickory. He is tearing up uh, down east. He, was, he is not on anybody's prospect list. He is not a top, but I have talked to Tepid about this guy, and that's Ryan Doro. And Ryan Doro, is the, he, he was drafted out of a little college in Michigan, and he was drafted as a shortstop. And last year when I was in Hickory, they had Bubba Thompson, Sam Huff, Tyreek Reed was playing first base. I mean, they had studs on that team. and But the guy that was the leader on the field was Ryan Doro. And he hit about 300, had about 10 home runs last year. He's hitting about 300 right now. He just hit his fourth home run for down east. He's a college kid, so he's already 23 years old. That guy right there, that guy before Anderson Tejada, before Tavares, before any of them, don't be surprised if that guy's not in double-A pretty quick. Ryan Doro, so remember that. Yeah, you took, you took, the, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was actually about to mention him um, in my interview with Matt. Uh, president, the play-by-play announcer, he mentioned Ryan Doro, and, I, and and you can read it in my article, but his exact quote on Ryan was is that he makes defensive plays with his gloves every night that still amazes Matt. He, he says that it's just it's amazing to watch him play the field as well as him having a decent stick. So, yes, Ryan Doro is a name to watch out for in the future. Well, in let me tell you what, Frisco, you went and saw Frisco. You came, and, you came down and covered one of the games. Uh, Look, I love Frisco. It's close when you're here in Dallas. It's easy to go. But let's be honest, all the prospects in Frisco are arms. Um, there's nobody. Charles LeBlanc's having a good year. Uh, but he's, he's not really thought of as a, as, you know, he, more, more than a utility player at best. Um, Doro may not be that either. But I'll tell you what, I've heard this is a direct quote from Tepid. A direct quote from Tepid was uh, – from Tepid participation, who don't know who he is, he, this guy is like a scout. Tepid said, everyone, every pitcher loves it when Ryan Doro's behind him. Every pitcher loves it. And he said, that guy probably grades out at an 80 on his glove. Um, now, the highest you grade out in the old grading system for a, uh, for a player was 80. So if you were an 80 arm, an 80 bat, 80 power, you know, you go read these things and they'll have them rated 60, 55. You know, stuff like that. He said that guy's probably a 70 or 80 on his glove alone. Yeah, that and that's the word. Uh, and that's the word. You're absolutely right. And and you kind of just led right into Frisco right there a little bit, too. I think that's a perfect lead-in. Uh, you're right. Uh, I think the majority of the arms in the Rangers organization right now are at Frisco. Uh, the position players there, um, they're developing. Um, and, but a lot of the position players in Frisco are actually blocked. And so that it's a very interesting dynamic they have in Frisco right now. However, the team is playing very, very well, and they're winning yeah, balls. They're back there in first place. They're twenty-one and <laughs> fifteen. Uh, they're in that Southern Division. They're in first place there. Um, nobody expected Frisco to be there. They knew the arms would be there. They, I think, everyone kind of expected Frisco to have these arms that would go, you know, zero and three with a two point one ERA, with uh, all those CNI ball hits and stuff that weren't that were getting through while these guys were learning because there wasn't much offense. But, man, the offense has, for Frisco has been relatively well. The problem is there's nobody – there's not a lot of power. Uh, they're gap hitters. Those get chased down by major league outfielders. Um, so, you know, yeah, the, the, in position-wise, that's why someone like Doro might make a – if he can – you know, you interviewed the one guy at Frisco that's a legit 
utility guy with a chance in uh and what's his name that's that uh who did you come out and interview the yeah, I got a chance to talk to Michael yes, DeLeon, um, and, 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 and I watched him take grounders. Uh, he is just very silky smooth with his glove. And, and, and what you just talked about is exactly what the problem is. Michael DeLeon's been at Frisco. This is his yep. third year. And so somebody that's got, you know, that good of a glove. Um, now, his, 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 his hitting hasn't been that great. However, this year, he's already made huge strides, and you can see that in his numbers. He's taken a lot more walks. His on-base percentage is higher. Um, I asked him about that in my interview, um, which you can go read uh, at the Prospect Times, and and he he credits that to seeing more pitches. So um, that was something I talked to a lot of the guys with Nashville this last week about also, and I think that starts all the way at the top with Texas. Chris Woodward is 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 the first manager for Texas who's more of an analytics yep. guy compared to the old school Bannister Washington coach, and so I think that. You, you can also see it a little bit with the Texas hitters. They're taking more pitches. I think that's a big reason why Gallo has, has turned a corner this year a little bit, so far anyway, with his, with his approach at the plate. And you can see that all the way down to the minor league system. So you know that is what they're trying to develop down in the minor league system. But you're right. They're, they're gap hitters. Um, they're get-on-base guys. There's not a lot of power, if any at all, in Frisco right now. But with that being said, the arms are there and they're winning. And, you know, uh, however you can get on base right now in baseball in today's game yep, is important. You're exactly right. And I tell you, uh, they're fun to watch. And for those in, you in the Metroplex who can't get out to Arlington, go to Frisco. And, you know, just this last weekend you could have caught uh, major league players in Frisco when they had uh, Guzzi down there on his rehab. Uh, seen a lot of those. So, you know, don't don't ever be afraid to go out. You'll see some players that will play. Um, and speaking of that that starting rotation, uh, you know, don't be I won't be surprised either. Joe Palumbo is obviously the best uh, pitcher in the organization right now. I think he's the closest. Um, I think he's the closest to actually becoming a starting pitcher in the major leagues and sticking. Uh, Tepid talks about his want to, his drive, uh, what he wants to do. He doesn't get rattled. I've seen him, uh, you know, get squeezed a little bit. I've seen him pitch three times this year already. Uh, he may give up one or two runs. Usually, it's they're not they're not barreling him up well. They did have one guy uh, hit a home run off of him, and he, it was an outside pitch. He reached out, poked it over the right field fence, uh, opposite way. Hey, that happens. And give the guy, give the guy the credit he's due. I mean, he did reach out there and get it. But Joe. Last pit, last time I saw him, he went four and two-thirds and struck out 10 hitters, 10 of his 18 hitters. Man, it's crazy what he's doing. And so the average fastball spin rate, like I was saying on my show, was 2,200 in the major leagues. Uh, Mike Miner does about 25, 2,600, and Joe was averaging 2,500. And that's crazy what that does is that you heard of those exploding fastballs. That ball is just ripping out of his hand, and if it's 93, it comes across like it's 96. So it's jumping on people, but uh, yeah, yeah, you, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, a ball that's got that that much spin rate on it, um, it moves and it doesn't find very no. many bats. Um, I, I I think by far right now, Frisco has the most arms that you're going to see in Arlington one day. You've got Clace, you've got Palumbo, Tyler Phillips, Brock Burke is, is on the seven-day IL right now. He was on earlier this year. He's got some blister problems. He's not hurt no. overall. 
Um, Burke is going to be more kind of a reliever in the future, I think, a late innings reliever. Uh, he's not a closer. He's not really a starter at the major league level, in my opinion. And then also keep uh, you keep an eye on Blake Bass, um, big, tall guy. Got a you know his ERA is under two so far yep. this year. So there, there's a if you guys, you know, like you just said, get to Frisco and you're going to start seeing a lot of these pitchers that are going to eventually be in the major leagues one day. Not to mention Frisco is such a great place to watch a baseball game. That's your professional stadium. That's your major league stadium in a minor league. A smaller setting. It's a great setting, great place to go oh, watch yeah, a ball it's game. Absolutely fantastic. And speaking of Class A, that Emmanuel Class A, that kid, I saw him pitch the other night, didn't think I was going to get to. Holy crap. That was amazing. He was throwing 100, 101, and he was, his spin rate was 2,600 on his fastball. Average, 2,600 throwing 100 and 101. That means it's coming across as 103, 104. It was nuts. Now, he got he got hit that – he didn't get hit. He got squeezed. He walked about three, four players, gave up five runs on little dinks and dunks when he had to slow down a bit and try to go to his slider. But I'm going to tell you right now, it was the – I think uh, Sean Bass said it the best when he said that was the – that's the best I've ever felt about a blown save. Yeah, and the thing with him is, is he's throwing 100, 101, and he doesn't look like he's making any effort oh my doing God, it at all. Crazy, and that it, it, it's just it's so natural. I, I did hear something just it, it, with him in the past um, earlier this year, but I think they're working on him hiding the ball a little bit longer so that the hitters don't pick up what he's about to throw. And it sounds like though, with what you just said about Washington tonight, he probably is hiding the ball a little bit better. Um, before he's he's getting the release out, so the pit, the hitters can't pick up on yeah. On what and he's and throwing. you know it was really funny. So you could tell what happened to him. He threw some balls that were legitimately in the zone, um, that were touching corners, and he would try to go upstairs when he got two strikes. And that that umpire just you know quite honestly was not good. I mean we were looking at the uh, we were looking at it upstairs on the tracker, and and three or four of them, five of them were good strikes, and they weren't getting called. And he's young. And he got frustrated, and that got his temperature up a little bit. And it ended up getting Mikulak. He got thrown out of the game. It was pretty funny to watch the the, the manager there, but uh, because he was, they were all yelling about the strike zone. But uh, he he got a little frustrated, and and uh, I'm telling you, Tepid had the best line. It was the funniest line of all of them. When he, I think you might have heard me say it last week. He looked over. And he goes, "You know what? You can teach a kid to overcome." getting squeezed or adversity he goes but you can't freaking teach 101 miles an hour <laughs> right that's you're exactly right and 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 i'll tell you something about that the other night too i i like that as a pitcher now i'm not saying that his demeanor in that in that aspect when he's frustrated should affect the way he throws the ball but i would much rather have a pitcher who is a bulldog who wants you know has that intensity with him you know you look at you look at some of the best pitchers in the major leagues have that bulldog mentality, um, and when he's not, you know, when he's not getting calls like that, he, he gets frustrated. And that's what the minor leagues are for, though, is for him to learn to harness that. But I like that. I, I like that you said that about him. I, you know, I'd, I'd much rather have that intensity inside of a pitcher, especially with that mentality, um, to, to get a little fired up when when he's got. Yeah, to. and you know, speaking of that, let's go. Let's go go on now because it's time to get to the fun part. We're going to get to Nashville. Uh, a place that you were at this last weekend, not Nashville itself. You were up in Oklahoma City. Nashville was in town. Tell everybody what you got to do this last weekend. Yeah, so first of all, let me let me say that uh, 
uh, Chris Wills clubhouse chatter and the prospect times has really given me a great opportunity and platform. Like you said earlier, not just anybody can reach out to these teams and, and get the access that we have gotten. Um, and, and basically what I did was, is I sent the communications director of Oklahoma city about a month ago when I knew Nashville was going to be coming in, I sent them an email and I sent them a link to my articles and whatnot. And I asked them if I can get credentialed. And before we really go into, you know, the team and, and things of that nature, Lisa Johnson with the Oklahoma City Dodgers, the whole Oklahoma City Dodgers organization was beyond my wildest dreams of how great they were to me. They reached back immediately to me. They gave me my credentials for all four days without any issues. Um, They welcomed me into the press box. Um, They, you know, I showed up the first day. She took me around. Of course, I've been to that stadium 100 times to watch baseball games. And then, of course, you know, back when – when the Rangers were the triple A team here, you know, I've been there, but I haven't been there in the, in the, the media aspect of it or got had that access. So I really want to give a shout out to them. They were outstanding. And that is a class act um, organization. So with that being said, um, one of the things that I was really surprised about now, every, every town is different. Every team is different with, with Oklahoma city and the Dodgers, you are allowed clubhouse access up to before an hour before game time. And then 10 minutes after the game, you can go back in the clubhouse interviews and things like that. I will go ahead and tell you, I avoided the clubhouse because to me, I wanted to kind of give the players, I wanted to kind of have a better relationship with them and get to introduce them this time uh, myself to them and kind of start to build those relationships with them for the future. And I didn't really want to bother them in a routine so even though I had that access, I didn't take advantage of it. Um, I did show up early for batting practice every day. I watched fielding. I watched team stretches. I watched batting practice. Uh, Jeff Hemm, who is the play-by-play announcer for the Sounds, was amazing. I did an interview with him uh, a couple weeks back, um, and then he was with me every step of the way. He introduced me to players uh, and who I wanted to interview and the stories I wanted to get. So – um, it, it was a great experience. Uh, Friday night, the game got suspended from rain in the fourth inning, so we kind of had to cut that short. But the team was on a bus to, to Springfield after that game anyway. So my work was pretty much done before that Friday night game um, of the four games. So got a lot of great pictures, but what a great experience. And, and uh, yeah, I got a lot of information and a lot of detailed insider information that a lot of people don't have access to. Yeah, and, you know, uh, what's his name, Jeff? Is that uh, yeah? So Jeff that's him, who yes. I emailed originally too, who told me before uh, before you and I had met that, and he asked if I was going to go to Nashville, and I said I didn't know if I'd get up there, and he immediately said, "Well, you think you're going to go to Round Rock or Oklahoma?" And I said, "That's more likely." And he said, "Well, let me know, and absolutely, we'll hook you up." So I know that they were willing. They like to have their team covered by guys like us, so that was great. And I'll try to get up to Oklahoma. That'd be a fun trip, and you and I could go get a cold one or something while we're up there yeah they'll be back in august and as a matter of fact the night i left on friday lisa johnson with the dodgers said hey we've already got you credentialed for august when nashville comes back so um yeah we'll get together for sure make a trip up here during that week and uh it it should be an interesting dynamic by the time they come back with maybe some roster changes or some improvements and things of that nature kids might be there Okay, yep. so so you got to, so right now Nashville obviously they're the worst right now in the organization, um, uh, entire organization that doesn't really, they're playing better. They've actually what did they do this weekend? They uh, did how did they do? They have a four game series. 
Yeah, they they well they had a four game series with the Dodgers. Um, they went they won the first two. Uh, they had a day game on um, Thursday. They lost that, and then of course Friday got suspended in the bottom of the four. So that game will actually pick up in August when they come back. So they went two and one here in Oklahoma City. They went to Springfield yesterday and today. They they lost both of those games, but they are showing some signs of improvement after a very rocky start to the season. They went to Springfield. Uh, the Redbirds. I'm sorry, Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Okay. I apologize. I yeah, apologize. I'm thinking double yeah, A. Memphis is triple A. Double uh, <laughs> A is the Springfield Cardinals. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No. No. No problem. Okay. So tell me who all you got to interview. Now, who we've got clips from? We're gonna play. Well, you got some clips from uh, from Hojo. I've got a clip from uh, Tim Dillard, and I've got a clip from Eli White. Who else did you talk to? Yeah, I also talked to Jason Wood, the manager. Had a really great conversation with him. Uh, 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 kind of about where the team started out and, and some positives to look forward to for the rest of the season that the team can kind of turn in an upward direction. Um, I got to talk to Brady Feigl, who a lot of people, he's a pitcher. A lot of people think that he actually will get to Texas this year at some Maybe point. Maybe here in the next few if, weeks. It, it, yeah, absolutely. If nothing else, at the end of the season when they expand the rosters or, or they want to bring some pitchers up, they can just get him some experience. Um, and then uh, – uh, I talked to Jeff again uh, and, and got some more inside information with him. Um, and then, yes, so Howard Johnson, Tim Dillard, uh, Eli White, Jason Wood. Um, and then I also got to talk to Wes Benjamin on Friday. So he pitched on Thursday. I got to talk to him on Friday a little bit. Uh, he was free since he pitched the day before. Uh, really nice guy. Um, they all were, as a matter of fact. Very, as you, you know, as you could tell in the interviews, by listening to them, they were very open to questions. They were very honest with their questions and sometimes too honest. Uh, I was really kind of surprised by some answers, whether it be baseball or personal. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was it was a lot of fun well, to get to talk. To well, speaking guys. of pretty honest, let's talk, let's go listen to this uh, Eli White clip right here where you basically asked him what his approach was uh, when he came up to the plate. Let's listen to it real quick. What's your approach at the plate? Yeah, so I always I always hit off the fastball. Um, you know, once start facing guys more, get more, um, know how they want to pitch me and start facing teams more, um, I'll be able to, you know, hopefully sit on some pitches more in certain counts and pitchers can fall into tendencies and stuff. So, but right, I mean, early in the count, I'm looking to drive a fastball to the left center gap. If I get a, um, you know, an off-speed pitch over the middle, I'm trust my swing to stay with that. Um, but yeah, always hitting off the fastball and, you know, use my eyes to adjust. Yeah, that, that was pretty interesting. What he said right there. Uh, he, he kind of tipped his hand, didn't he? he? Well, yeah, he tipped his hand, but at the same time we talked, we talked more and, 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 you know, and he talked about, um, you know, his approach with the pitchers, you know, a starting pitcher, you're probably going to get to see, you know, and, and this right here is common knowledge. I'm not giving anything away to an interview, but, um, or that you don't really know, but you, you start you see a starting pitcher approximately three times. So the first at bat, you're really kind of you know you're you're trying to see what the pitcher has, and the second and third at bats against that starting pitcher is where you really want to attack him. Um, a pitcher that comes in you know from the bullpen normally only has two pitches, and they're more overpowering guys, uh, and that's where you know he was really you know where he talks about sitting on the fastball, and and when he said that, I kind of you know I was kind of shocked. I was like, wow, okay. Um, but, but the way he explained it made a lot of sense. And, you know, that also goes back to, you know, it goes back to the game of baseball. Sometimes you just got to keep it simple and, and it's, it's a game, it's baseball and you don't want to overthink too much, even in this day of analytics. So I was, I was really 
pleasantly pleased with <clears throat> with that interview with Eli to hear his approach on that. Hey, that's a guy right there. I mean, you ought to hear Tepa talk about him, about the athlete that he is, and he legitimately thinks that guy is without a doubt a future major leaguer, period. He just says that. He goes, that guy's – he goes, they love him. And that was part of that Profar trade. Uh, and he was actually the one that came from the A's. And with what's happening with Profar right now, the A's might be kicking themselves in the rear end right now because Eli White could be helping that major league team right now with Profar being benched. Yeah, and funny story about that. Eli White was on his honeymoon this past offseason when he got the phone call that he had been in that trade. <laughs> Little little something there that 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 you may not know about. I mean, that's a that's a heck of a honeymoon phone call right there. But Jeff Hem also had him when I asked him um, who to keep an eye out on his radar. Eli White came up uh, from him, and and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to him also. So, okay, yeah. and so Hojo, tell us about Hojo and what you asked him. And I think it's Calhoun that you would lead us up to this clip. Yeah. So okay. So let's let's talk about Willie Calhoun for a minute because. A lot of Ranger fans out there, and I'm sure you're seeing it too on Twitter and whatnot. Everybody is wanting Willie Calhoun to come up right now um, and play second, right, and play second base because Odor's struggling, and, and we won't, you know, I'm not going to get into all that right now. Or um, that's you. a different topic for a different time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 spare you know us for that. Um, but you know, so I watched Willie a lot this week. Okay, I watched Willie in batting practice. I watched his approach to the plate. I watched him take uh, infield every day in batting practice at second base. Okay, so let me let me let me say that again. He was taking grounders at second base every yeah. day. I okay, heard that. as well as working in the outfield. Now, with that being said, he only played one game at second base this week in Oklahoma City, and I think he's. I think um, what Jeff said is that he's averaging about one game a week at second base. So. Now, fans, listen, when I tell you that, before I go any farther, I'm not saying they are prepping Willie Calhoun to come up and play second base for the Texas Rangers. I have, Me personally, this is just my opinion, I have a different approach on that. I, I don't think they're prepping him to come up and play when they kept Santana and Forsyth. Yeah. Okay? So you got you to be smart about, you know, that the average fan looks at, uh, John, you know, the average fan looks at the record, Okay. And then you've got the next level fan that looks at the record and how players are performing. And of course, everyone sees that Odor is not performing where they want to be, where he, where they want him to be. And so all of a sudden it's a mass fire sale of these changes. Here's what I see. I called that they were going to drop Delino. Uh, they were going to send him down when Guzman came back. I called that two weeks ago and, and it's simple. It's really I didn't simple see that logic. One. That's and, a good call. Cause I didn't see it. I, I, I thought it was going to be foresight. I did well, and here's why: Forsyth and Santana were out of options. Well, I knew that. Okay, yeah. so you've got a you, so so you've got a you've got a veteran clubhouse presence with Forsyth that that Chris Woodward likes. Santana um, is serviceable in more than one position. Okay, as as you can tell in Houston this weekend, he's been playing center not bad field, either. and he even went no, not bad, not bad at all. So basically, what I saw was is I looked at the next struggling player that could use more everyday work that still had options, and, and Delano DeShields was just staring me right in the face. And so you can go back and look at some of my tweets between Jeff Sandler and some of the other – Levi Weaver and some of those where I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about I thought it was going to be Delano when Guzman came back. Now, with that being said, other injuries can change things up and whatnot. Yeah. Getting, back, getting back to Calhoun. Now, 
I am a Rangers fan, and I, and I just do this to cover the Rangers, but I also try to keep an open mind on things, too. I think Calhoun, in his situation, could be, could be, don't be mad at me for saying this, could be a trade piece I in believe the that totally. Now, now, with that being said, I believe that's why he is staying somewhat engaged at second yep. base. Now, he may come up to Texas and be a DH or play second base in the future and be a Hall of Famer, and I would be wrong. And if I'm wrong, then, then I hope I am for the Rangers' sake. However, I just see too many people blocking too many other people, and I see too many other good young hitters coming up through the system um, that, you know, that could, you know, that could block him even more. With that being said, watching Willie Calhoun this week was a treat. He's on a, uh, as of yesterday, he's on a 12-game hitting streak because the game was suspended Friday night, so that game doesn't count right now. So yesterday he had a home run uh, in Memphis, and that extended his hitting streak to 12. And I asked Hojo about that when I got a chance to interview him, and I said, you know, he, he, he's been hitting the ball very well over the last few weeks. And so, you know, I said, what did, what have y'all been working on? What, what adjustments, you know, as the hitting coach, have you been working on with him? If there was any, and he said, yes, they had been making changes. And uh, yeah, here's what he said. So last night, Willie Calhoun extended his hitting streak to 10 games. Okay. Started out kind of slow in the season, but he, the last couple of weeks, he's been hitting the ball very well. What adjustments have you been working on with him that made that change, or, or did y'all make any adjustments? No, no, we made some adjustments. Uh, what I noticed with Willie is he was chasing a lot of pitches uh, outside the strike zone. Um, I, I know in his mind he's trying to go to left field and left center, but what we did was a couple of things. We, we, we adjusted our sights a little bit towards right center. And that kind of freed up his body. Now he didn't have. Now he didn't have to fight against it. If he's trying to go that way, other opposite field, and he starts diving out to the plate, then his whole body's going to be in the way uh, when they throw anything like middle in or anything breaking out of his ankles or something. So he's got to. He's got to be able to have that spacing in there. And that that really helped him as far as like see the field a lot better. That that's a great take coming from Hojo, especially, you know, talking about what they're doing with him. That's fantastic. And can I just say real quick, as a baseball yeah. nerd, I got to meet Howard oh, Johnson. <laughs> the guy called me by my first name. Didn't you name. cook him ribs? I mean, when something? I was, at, what I, I I did, I did. I, I actually, for for those of you that don't know, you can see it on on my on my profile though, um, under Prospect Times. I'm actually a, a, a pit master of a competition barbecue team. Uh, Jason Wood got into the whole barbecue talk, and, and then Howard Johnson came over, introduced himself, and was like, hey, I heard you do barbecue, and you make your own rub. And, and so I actually, <laughs> as a thank you to them on Friday, I actually made them some pork spare ribs and took them to them at the ballpark. And, I mean, I didn't even get to the clubhouse with them. They ate them in the <laughs> dugout. So that, that's going to be a story that I'm going to write about actually barbecue and baseball. Look, look for that story in the upcoming weeks. But, but what a great guy! This guy's been in the was in the major leagues for 15 years, an All Star, won a World Series, played with those yep. great Mets teams yeah, in the I middle 80s. The this guy, th yeah, this guy could have brushed me off and not given me the time of day, and he was the complete opposite. As a matter of fact, the whole coaching staff was that way. They all introduced themselves. They all gave me tidbits and just talked about everything from baseball to just to barbecue to just everyday life. So what an honor it was to get to talk to, especially Howard Johnson. 
uh, with his experience and what he's been through. Look for that interview also on the Prospect Times coming up in a few weeks. I can't wait to see that one, too. I've liked these interviews you've done and how you've written about them. Okay, the elephant in the room, the big news out of there that has nothing to do with baseball is the Tim Dillard situation. You actually interviewed Tim Dillard, and you were the first person to ask Tim Dillard about the suspension. For those that don't know, you need to follow Tim Dillard on Twitter. This guy makes the funniest videos. He is just a family guy, a good Christian guy, family guy, makes these hilarious videos. He got banned from Twitter, and you're the first guy that asked him about it. Yeah, so uh, Wednesday – I'm sorry, so Thursday morning – it came out that he had been uh, suspended from Twitter. And just like you just said, he does a lot of dub smash videos. Uh, He includes teammates. Um, It's a way for them to connect, have fun uh, in their spare time. Um, It brings the team closer together. It introduces teammates and gets them together. So go, you can follow him actually. And it's funny because he was suspended on Twitter but he's still on Instagram, which is where I follow him mainly anyway. I really didn't catch any of his videos on Twitter so much. But if you go to – now, now it's funny just because of who he is. His, the name to search for is Dim Tillard. So D-I-M. He basically switched T and D from his name, um, and that is actually where you can find him on Instagram. And if you're not following him, you are missing out. This guy is a longtime journeyman uh, in the minor leagues. Um, with the Brewers uh, and, and, and now the Rangers. Um, he was a great interview. But, yes, Thursday he found out that he was suspended from Twitter, and Twitter blew up. Everybody was, say, was saying, Twitter, fix this. This is wrong. Um, free Dilly. So hashtag Free Dilly with a D um, is, is, the, <laughs> is, is what everyone's saying now to try to, to try to get his Twitter open back up. And, I mean, it really blew up quick. So Friday when I got to the park, I, I had an interview scheduled with him already, and that that was not on my question list. However, it became the first question I asked him. I said, hey, what do you know about this Twitter suspension? And this is what he had to say. Tim, thanks for uh, taking the time out today to talk with me. Yeah. Really appreciate it, man. Is today the 10th, for real? Today's the 10th. Oh, okay. May 10th. Yeah. May 10th. Yeah. Huh. So, okay, so I have my list of questions, but I have to add a question because yesterday – you got suspended from Twitter, and I've gotten so many messages and emails from everyone saying, hey, when you talk to Tim, we want to know. Yeah. So I'm hoping that I'm getting the media inside scoop here on what you know about your Twitter suspension. Well, there's really no inside scoop. I Someone uh, texted me and goes, hey, you blocked me on Twitter. And I was like, it's a buddy of mine. So I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't do that. And then right. the guy on the team goes, dude, what's wrong with your Twitter? And so I just happened to look it up. And this was before the day game. So this was like maybe 9 o'clock yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, eight eight thirty maybe. And I anyway, I looked at it and they were like, "Your account's been suspended and you can't access it." And I was like, "Okay." So I have no idea what's going on. So they haven't contacted you about any nope. e- email or anything. Nope, they haven't sent an email or uh, I don't know if they. Have, I think they have my phone number. I don't know. Whatever I put in there, like they they mm-hmm. can reach me. I'm sure, but anyway, no, I they haven't done. Haven't said anything. So I think the only thing we, me and some of the other media guys, were talking last night, and we the only thing we could think of is there was some kind of maybe copyright issues with the dub smash as far as the voices or the stuff. Some that might be it. Maybe but. I mean the the stuff that I'm doing is no different than like say you, you know, a song came on the radio and you danced to it. Absolutely, and you put that on a social media platform. It's like oh no, you can't do that. It's like well everyone does it. So why is it suddenly now is this a problem? Right. Um, 
and I don't make money off any of my stuff. Like there's a like a business Twitter and like a business uh, Instagram, mm -hmm. but I don't do any of that because I don't make any money off of it. Right. So I maybe I violated rules. I don't know, but they seem to think I did. You think they would let you know on something like that? But yeah. But you already probably already know this, but know that your fans out there for, and a lot of Milwaukee Brewer fans and stuff too. <laughs> or I mean, everybody is, is free dilly hashtag yeah, free yeah, dilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody on Twitter right now is is <laughs> is up in arms about this. So. <laughs> I like him. I'm sorry. I can't help it. And that, that, that is great. That's so neat. You got to ask him that question. Uh, that, that is so funny. And, and wow, you talk about perfect timing and the perfect weekend for you to pick to, for them to show up in Oklahoma. Yeah. And so, you know, as you can hear there in the clip, you know, he, he, he hasn't been contacted by Twitter. Nobody's told him why. I, and, you know, if you're going to be suspended from something like that, especially as, as big uh, of a name as he is, you know, he should at least get to find out why it happened or if he was reported or whatever, because I guarantee you after getting to spend, you know, about 15 minutes with him, he would do whatever it takes to fix the reason why he got suspended. Um, but he's not, he's not vulgar in any way. He doesn't break any nope. rules. Um, my, my, my average, this is the kind of guy Tim is. Okay. My average interviews last Four to six minutes, yep. okay, maybe seven, eight questions. Tim went almost 13 minutes with me and answered every question in detail um, and did it with no hesitation. Very intelligent guy, very smart guy, and and that's going to be another interview that I'm going to get get up at, uh, on the Prospect Times um, and, and get out there for everybody to see and get a little more hey, insight. And a valuable piece to this team. Let me tell you why. Look, they are they have no arms up there now with what happened with uh, Hearn, and, and they they bring this journeyman in to eat up some innings, and he's done. He has pitched well over the last couple of games. He actually had a couple of starts, went three innings, uh, three or four innings, went five innings one game, I think, and didn't give up much. I mean, I think with his intelligence, I think part of the reason he's here. This is my personal thing. I don't know. I haven't talked to John Daniel. I would. I almost wonder if this guy isn't being groomed for some sort of position. Uh, he's close to retirement in some sort of position to be some sort of roving instructor or minor league pitching instructor or something to that effect. Um, because uh, I, it's really neat with the social aspect of it, the social media aspect of it, and what he does to bring out you know some fun to those players. But uh, like you said, he's an intelligent guy, and he really cares about everybody. And that's somebody that could really help somebody. Hey, speaking of what you just said, one of my questions for him was what's in store for Tim Dillard after baseball. So if you want to want to answer that, uh, just wait till <laughs> wait till that article comes out and read that. Uh, yeah, he, he pitched Tuesday. Um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Wednesday. I can't remember which day. Uh, it was Tuesday. Wang pit open was the opener for two innings through really well. Of course, Texas has called him back up since then. And then Dillard came in and gave him six strong innings. Um, and that was a game they won. He actually started today's game, um, didn't, you know, struggled a little bit, hit three batters today. Um, so well, he's mad about you know, Twitter. Didn't walk any <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, obviously, which, which, by the way, he's doing a daily Twitter suspension video. I know, I've seen it. So, it, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. But, yeah, he, he, he had a rough outing today, but I agree with you that, it's you know possibly his future after baseball uh, could be something in baseball. So look out for my article and see what he says about that. Okay, you know what? We're going to get out of here. One one more guy I want to ask about the team. The guy that's leading the team is Zach Granite. You said you saw some interesting. This may be a guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, I didn't. I got to meet him, shake his hand. Um, I didn't get to interview him. 
Um, he wasn't really on my radar. He is a journeyman. He's played, you know, he's played the majors. Um, and man, from a leadoff guy, wow, the guy right now is on fire at the plate. Um, and and you want to talk about somebody who can also, you know, they can't they can't shift on him because I watched him bunt for a single twice in Oklahoma City, and he did the same thing yesterday in, against Memphis. So he, right now he is seeing the ball very well. He's hitting the ball very well. I saw him actually stretch a single into a double. Um, so he's playing really good baseball right now. Uh, just like I said, just got a chance to shake his hand, just got to meet him. Uh, but, you know, once again, uh, overall, I don't know if you saw this last week, but overall, just real quick, and the whole from, from the minor league system from A all the way up to the Rangers, the total win percentage, the Rangers had, as of last week, the number one winning percentage from top to bottom. Yeah. So with that being said, the reason why I bring that up with Zach Granite is, is because this is the best that the Rangers minor league system has been from top to bottom in a very, very, yeah, very a long while. time. And, and I'm not saying they don't have room to improve, but there's a lot of good things coming up, which also means there's a lot of good players in the system that can be used as trade pieces for other key pieces in the future. Um, they're, they're drafting well. They're making good trades right now to bring in those young arms. And so right now it's just really fun to watch. Um, now, with that being said, the top five teams of that from top to bottom and the minors all the way up, the Astros are three and the Manners are five. So there's these teams in the West are going to be really good for a while, and it's going to be fun to be a Rangers fan with the new stadium and uh, how they're going to develop in the next couple of years. Yep, it sure is. Well, listen, Greg, I appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely get together and we'll do this again. Uh, it was a lot of fun having you on. When you get down to Frisco, when I get up there, we'll have to get together for sure. Um, I've loved everything you've written. These these interviews were fantastic. Man, we just had a great time. This 51 minutes went by just like that, sitting there talking about all of this stuff. Yeah, I didn't even realize it. Thank you very, very much. I will be down in Frisco uh, for a couple of games within the next three weeks to a month, so I'll get with you for sure, and sure. Uh, we can uh, we can get together and go over some things. And thank you for having me on, and, and I hope I gave uh, your listeners uh, some good information today. Yeah, you, you certainly did. Folks, that's Greg Scallon. Greg Scallon from Chris Wells, Clubhouse Chatter and Prospect Times. Thanks for having him on here. Thank all of you for listening to this show. Like I say every time at the end of every show and every article I ever write, nerd out.